Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, voice of Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Red 5 Radio. Red 5 standing by. This is Red 5 Radio. Hello, hello, and welcome to a special episode for the week of May the 4th. This is Red 5 Radio, the Star Wars podcast that takes an in-depth look at a galaxy far, far away. This episode, we're learning all about Boba Fett and his life leading up to the upcoming series, The Book of Boba Fett. We'll take a look at his youth, his misadventures in the Clone Wars, his unexpected allies, and of course, how he grows into the galaxy's most feared and respected bounty hunter. Without further ado, let's get into it. This is where the fun begins. I got a really good feeling about this. Hold on! <laughs> Whose helmet is that anyway? It belongs to a bounty hunter I killed on Geonosis. By the name of Django Fett. You mean... the clone template? Yes. Strangely enough, he had a son. Or at least a clone he regarded as a son. His name is Boba Fett. I remember now. Obi-Wan listed him in his report on Kamino. Boba was on Geonosis when his father died. He watched as I killed him. Following the Battle of Naboo and the death of Darth Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn, Jedi Master sifo secretly commissioned the Kaminoan clone facilities to create a clone army for the Republic. When Count Dooku approached the bounty hunter Jango Fett to be the genetic template for the massive clone army, he had a special request. Apart from his pay, which is considerable, Fett demanded only one thing, an unaltered clone for himself. Curious, isn't it? Unaltered? Pure genetic replication, no tampering with the structure to make it more docile, and no growth acceleration. This clone would be named Boba Fett, and was personally cared for and raised by Django. Since he was unaltered, his growth was not accelerated, and he was not implanted with an inhibitor chip. Boba accompanied his father on a handful of missions. It was through Django's training that he became efficient with blasters, martial arts, and learned how to operate his father's ship, Slave One. On one such mission, Boba and Django were betrayed by the other hunters on their team. Boba personally killed them all, but let one go. When Django asked him why he did so, Boba told his father this. I want them to tell the other bounty hunters what happened today. I want the galaxy to know what happens when they mess with the Fets. Days before the start of the Clone Wars, Django went on a mission to Coruscant to assassinate Senator Padme Amidala from Naboo. He was hired by Count Dooku himself. After the mission was a failure, Jango was tracked back to Kamino by the Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan was then surprisingly introduced to the clone army, and subsequently Jango himself. Boba greeted Kenobi at the door and promptly hid his father's Mandalorian armor, while the Jedi and his father shared a rather tense meeting. After Obi-Wan implied that he knew Jango had attempted to assassinate Senator Amidala, 
he left their quarters. Django told Boba that they would leave Camino as he had been discovered. What is it, Dad? Pack your things. We're leaving. During their evacuation, Kenobi confronted them on the landing pad. Boba activated the cannons on Slave One and opened fire on Kenobi. Django eventually kicked Kenobi off the platform and boarded the ship as Boba took off. Unknown to the Fets, Kenobi had placed a tracker on the ship. As they made their way to meet Count Dooku on Geonosis, Kenobi caught up with them in the planet's outer asteroid rings. Django launched a number of missiles and seismic charges. Seismic charges are uh, possibly the best sound in all of Star Wars. Seismic charges. Stand by. It's just such a good sound. It's it's beautiful. It's sexy. I love it. Anyway, after they seemingly killed Kenobi, they landed their ship at the droid factories on the planet's surface. Surprise, Kenobi lived, of course, and began to investigate the Separatist factories until he was captured, which prompted his Padawan Anakin Skywalker and Padme Amidala to come attempt to rescue him. When they too were captured, the three of them were sentenced to execution. Boba and his father joined Count Dooku and the Separatist leaders in the executive booth of the arena as the three prisoners faced off against giant beasts meant to kill them. However, a jarring sound interrupted the fun, and Boba turned to see Mace Windu holding his purple lightsaber against his father's throat. This party's over. As nearly 200 Jedi ignited their lightsabers across the stands, Count Dooku's army of battle droids flooded into the area. Jango used his flamethrower on Windu, who leapt out of the booth and joined the Jedi army in the massive battle. Jango soon after joined the fight, where the jetpack on his armor was damaged and rendered inoperable, leaving him more vulnerable to attack. Despite the setback, Jango boldly faced off against Mace Windu, who ultimately beheaded and killed the bounty hunter. Boba watched in horror as his father was killed. Once the battle left the arena, Boba made his way into the cleared arena and took his father's helmet, pressing it against his head. After Django's death, Boba fled Geonosis aboard Slave One and began to plot his revenge. Fortunately for Boba, Django had made many dangerous friends in his life. Boba soon found himself accompanied by the infamous bounty hunters Aura Singh and Bosk. Shortly after the Clone Wars began, Boba posed as a clone cadet, using his origins as a clone himself to his advantage, and joined a touring group of cadets aboard the Republic cruiser, the Endurance. The Jedi Masters Mace Windu and Anakin Skywalker were both in command of this cruiser. I say Jedi Masters because Anakin did have a Padawan at this time, meaning he was Ahsoka's master, however, he wasn't the rank Jedi Master. With the help of his bounty hunter friends, Boba attempted to kill Windu by placing a motion-activated bomb in his personal quarters. It failed when an unsuspecting clone trooper walked in instead, killing the clone and failing to kill Windu. You're lucky to be alive. And our trooper? Dead. This was no accident. Agreed. Boba contacted Aura and told her he had failed. Watcha? This is Boba. It's a miss. Repeat. Miss. What should I do? Head to the reactor. Blow the core. But the crew. It isn't about them. 
just Mace. If you want Windu dead, do as I say. She instructed Boba to blow up the reactor core of the ship, which would sabotage it and kill the crew. But Boba was reluctant to kill everyone on the ship, as his only goal was to kill Windu. Nonetheless, Boba did as instructed and snuck into the reactor core before he was caught by a clone trooper who called for security to safely escort him back to his group. Boba got a hold of the trooper's blaster and held him at gunpoint. What are you doing? We're brothers! Don't shoot! You're not my brother. Don't shoot! Unable to bring himself to kill the clone, Boba ended up stunning him and fired numerous shots into the core command console, which did sabotage the reactor core. Still undercover, Boba boarded an escape pod with another small group of clone cadets, but sabotaged the pod so it missed the rendezvous point with the other cadets, blasting past them and arriving to meet with Aura Singh and Bosk aboard Slave One. Aura was unamused that Boba wasn't alone in the pod. Congratulations, Boba. Job well done. His name's not Boba. He's Lucky. Lucky? <laughs> That's a good one. You're with her? I wasn't expecting you to bring friends along. I couldn't help it, Aura. What are you gonna do with them? What do you think? Boba was then given the choice to either stay with the clone cadets or leave with the bounty hunters. And Boba somewhat reluctantly chose to leave with the bounty hunters. After leaving the escape pod, Boba and the other hunters, including a Clatoonian named Castus, made their way to the nearby planet Vancor, where the Endurance had crashed after its explosion. Once there, they captured the surviving Admiral Killian, as well as Clone Commander Pons and another Clone Trooper officer and took them as hostages. Hoping to set another trap for Windu, Boba rigged his father's old helmet as the explosive on the ship's bridge, which would be detonated if Windu or anyone else came looking for other survivors. As predicted, Windu and Skywalker arrived shortly thereafter. Is that a Mandalorian helmet? What is that doing here? Clone cadets. Django Fett. Boba. Anakin, no! Drop it! The helmet exploded just after Windu noticed it, and remembered that Django had a son, deducing that Boba was the one attempting to kill him. Windu and Skywalker did not die in the ensuing explosion, but were caught within the rubble of the quickly deteriorating vessel. As Boba and the other hunters watched the explosion, he assumed that Windu had been killed and wanted to recover the body. Some of his companions objected, however, believing that their three prisoners were already enough to earn a sizable fortune from Count Dooku if they turned them over to the Separatists. But ultimately, Aura sided with Boba, and her word kind of went with this group. The team then set out to find Windu's body. R2-D2, however, was able to escape an Anakin Starfighter, and made the bounty hunters believe that he was Windu attempting to escape. R2 survived a brief firefight with Slave 1 before jumping to hyperspace for Coruscant, where he successfully found help at the Jedi Temple and was able to bring a team of Jedi and clones to rescue Windu and Skywalker. The bounty hunters, meanwhile, decided to use the hostages to lure Windu into a trap. Aura Singh sent a transmission to the Jedi Temple, revealing that they were holding Republic prisoners.
Singh then told Boba to personally execute Commander Pons during the transmission, but he refused, as his goal was to kill Windu rather than other prisoners. Singh executed Pons on her own, and then they jettisoned him into space. Mace Windu, you were lucky to escape. Your friends here were not so fortunate. Until you face Boba, these men will be killed, one at a time. What's your name? Name! CT-411. Pathetic. Boba, do it. Boba! That was Pawns. Only two to go, Windu. Come and find us. We'll be waiting. It's worth noting that Boba objected to the treatment of other prisoners as well, going so far as to show compassion by providing them with water. The group soon took refuge on Florum, where Singh planned to seek the assistance of her former lover and spice pirate, Hondo Onaka. He's Jango's son. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry about your father. He was a friend and an honorable man. Being the gentleman he was, Onaka declined to help her if the Jedi arrived on Florum, but he also vowed not to stand in her way. So ultimately, Hondo, doing what Hondo does best, was looking out for his own self-interests. Stay golden, Hondo. Stay golden. Instead of sending Master Windu, the Jedi Order sent Master Plo Koon and Ahsoka Tano. When the Jedi arrived on Florum, they met with Hondo. Hello, hello, and welcome to Florum. I should assume you are walking us into a trap. Yes, you should. They're waiting inside the bar. I have no idea what you has planned for you. And the reason you are telling us is? So you know that I am not involved in this. Plo Koon then sat with Aura Singh, who attempted to ransom the prisoners. Both sides ended up attacking one another, with Boba holding a blaster to Plo Koon's head, and Ahsoka holding a lightsaber to Aura Singh's throat. I wanted Windu. What are you doing here? We can do this the difficult way, or the simple way. The choice is yours. The bounty hunters created a diversion and then attempted to escape, but Boba was captured while Aura Singh fled on a speeder. Plo Koon interrogated Boba, who refused to disclose the location of the hostages, despite his reservations about their treatment. Hondo, however, was able to convince Boba to tell the Jedi, by saying that Jango would have wanted his son to do the honorable thing. He will not reveal the location of the hostages. I thought you might talk some sense into him. Tell the Jedi what he wants to know, Boba. Why should I help anybody? I've got no one. It is the honorable thing to do. It's what your father would have wanted. The hostages were rescued while Aura managed to make it to Slave One and began to flee, but Ahsoka clung to the ship and damaged it, causing a crash. The ship went down in a fiery explosion, and the Jedi assumed that Aura Singh had been killed. Fun fact, uh, she was not. Boba and Bosk, who were taken into custody, were sent to prison on Coruscant, where they would be tried. Windu met Boba upon his arrival, and Boba apologized for his ruthless actions and the destruction that he caused, but he vowed never to forgive Windu for killing his father. 
I see now I've done terrible things. But you started when you murdered my father. I'll never forgive you. Well, you're going to have to. At some time during his imprisonment on Coruscant, a Republic plan was put into motion aimed at preventing a suspected kidnapping plot against Chancellor Palpatine. To do so, Obi-Wan faked his death and disguised himself as a bounty hunter, Reiko Hardin, the suspect in the attempt on his life, and entered the prison where Bobo was being held. It's a convoluted plan. All that you really need to know is that Obi-Wan had to go undercover in the prison, and Bobo was also there. An undercover Kenobi teamed up with Moralo Ival, a suspect in the alleged kidnapping plot, and the bounty hunter Cad Bane to escape the prison in hopes that it would lead him to the heart of the conspiracy. What do we do? Part of my plan. Paid off to kick to create a diversion. As part of the escape attempt, Bane paid and encouraged Boba to confront Hardeen. Obi-Wan. They're the same person. Hardeen and Obi-Wan are the same person. Boba claimed that Hardeen had cheated him out of a bounty. You owe me something. Oh, do I? You don't even remember me? That's very insulting. Look, kid. I don't want any trouble. You stole a bounty from me, and I want an apology. When Boba and Kenobi briefly fought one another, they were kind of broken up by Bosk, who intervened and started a riot to defend Boba. All right, all right, that's it. Fight's over. <laughs> no, it ain't. <laughs> you got a problem with Boba. You got a problem with me. It's kind of assumed that Boba and Bosk broke out of prison at this time, there's nothing in between this appearance and his next appearance where he's not in prison. So, for the sake of this episode, we're assuming that he and Bosk broke out. After leaving Coruscant, Boba and Bosk formed the bounty hunter syndicate Crate's Claw, using Tatooine as his base of operations. As part of the syndicate, Boba hired Bosk, Dengar, the assassin droid C-21 Highsinger, and Lotz Razi. One of the missions they chose to undertake was on the planet Quartzite, where they were to protect cargo on an underground tram from being attacked and stolen by a band of raiders. On this mission, they were joined by the former Sith assassin, now bounty hunter, Azaj Ventress. Ventress didn't take too well to Boba's leadership due to his age, and she assumed that his experience was low. Hey, boss. Boss, this is your boss. You got a problem with that? My name's Boba. The mission itself proved to be very difficult, as all of the hunters but Boba and Ventress were defeated and tossed from the tram. After discovering that the cargo was a girl, and the raiders were attempting to rescue her from being sold as a bride, Ventress used the force to choke Boba, preventing him from fulfilling his mission. No one of true importance would lower themselves to trade with a mere boy. Boy, you have no idea who you're talking to. I have been in charge of this whole You have no idea who you are talking to. Once the tram arrived at its destination, Ventress delivered the chest and claimed the bounty. Departing before the ruler could discover that the chest did not contain the girl, but actually a bound and angry boba who Ventress had tied up and placed in the chest. Ventress then released Pluma, who was the captured girl, to her brother, and regrouped with the other bounty hunters, paying them their shares of the bounty before departing company with them. 
but she claimed that Boba would turn up, asking them to make sure he got his pay at the bounty. Despite that major embarrassment, Boba continued to run a successful syndicate of bounty hunters based off of Coruscant and Tatooine. In the final years of the Clone Wars, Boba was approached by the Jedi Quinlan Vos. Vos was interested in hunting down Ventress for a planned assassination attempt on Count Dooku, since she knew Dooku pretty well. Boba informed Vos that Ventress was hunting a Vulpi fugitive named Morigai on the moon Pantora. Using Fett's information, Vos traveled to Pantora where he rendezvoused with Ventress. After doing several bounty hunting jobs together, Vos was captured and Ventress approached Boba on Tatooine with the hopes of recruiting his syndicate to rescue her new partner. Fett and his fellow bounty hunters accepted Ventress's job after she offered to pay 250,000 credits in advance. Satisfied, obviously, Boba and his ally joined Ventress on her mission to rescue Voss. However, Dooku defeated Fett and his fellow bounty hunters with relative ease, and Ventress's attempt to save Voss resulted in failure as well. Defeated, but alive, Boba and his recruit retreated from Sereno. At some point before the rise of the Empire, the heir to the syndicate, the Mourner's Whale, named Camus, hired Boba, as well as other bounty hunters, to infiltrate a sanctuary of a rival clan, the Unbroken Clan, and kill a target on Corellia. The team, which included the bounty hunters Bosk, Nakano Lash, Tungor, and Bylert Violence, successfully defeated the guards surrounding the facility, but were forced to retreat when the hunter Lash gunned down their client after their client killed the target. Which doesn't really make sense when you think about it as a bounty hunter. P picture this. You're on a team of bounty hunters. This person A has hired you to break into this facility. One of your hunters then kills person A after person A kills their target. That makes no sense. Exactly? Exactly. So Boba was kind of furious at this because this failure uh, damaged his reputation and now he has a really big hatred for Lash. This is all important, but it's important for later. So just remember that Boba really doesn't like Lash because Lash made him look bad in front of the entire galaxy. And now we're going to skip forward many, many years. So not long after the Battle of Yavin, where the Death Star blew up, Boba was present at Jabba's palace when the Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader, visited on behalf of the Emperor. Vader revealed that he needed two of Jabba's top bounty hunters. So Jabba sent Boba and the Wookiee Black Chrysanthemum. Chrysanthemum. Chris, it, this is going to be a recurring thing. I'm just going to say it. I mean, let's call him BK because that's what Dr. Aphra calls him in the comics. So Jabba sent Boba and the Wookiee BK. Uh, the two of them met Vader out in the desert after meeting with Jabba. Vader gave them each individual missions. Boba was to capture a Rebel Alliance pilot who was associated with a man named Obi-Wan Kenobi and a smuggling vessel known as the Millennium Falcon. We, the reader or the audience, know that this is Luke Skywalker, but Boba and Vader don't know this yet. Boba assured Vader that his will would be done. Per Vader's orders, Boba began the search immediately. He knew that Solo frequented Mos Eisley Cantina, so he started there to find Solo's accomplice. He soon found a group of four Rodians and informed them of his search for Kenobi to which they replied that Kenobi was some crazy old wizard who lived in the Dune Sea and asked why Boba was looking for a wizard. Boba then pointed his weapon at one of the Rodians, stating that Kenobi was dead and that he alone would be asking the questions. 
They were kind of useless and Boba killed them all, and went in search of others who might know anything useful about the rebel pilot. He decided to head towards the cantina, where most of Tatooine's scum and villainy went to drink. Boba entered, stood as the center of attention, and addressed the gathered criminals and spacers, telling them that he was not going to leave until someone provided him with the boy's name. However, only when Boba threatened an Ithorian, someone in the back of the room spoke up and mocked that the only boy he saw was Boba. Boba quickly overpowered that alien in order to intimidate the patrons into answering his questions. Wooher, the cantina's bartender, said that no one there knew the boy, therefore no one knew his name. Only that Kenobi had been in the cantina recently with the boy, but that was all anyone knew about them. Suddenly, a young moisture farmer bolted for the exit, but Boba fired a length of fiber cord, which tripped the teen. Boba tied the young man to a table and proceeded to interrogate him. The man eventually broke and told Boba all he wanted to know about the rebel pilot's history on Tatooine, but most importantly, his name, Luke Skywalker. The bounty hunter knew that the man spoke the truth and released him, because he, quote-unquote, only wanted a drink. However, Boba shot him right in the chest afterwards. Great job, Boba. Leave no witnesses, right? Boba left the cantina, boarded his ship, and went to Ben Kenobi's home in the Junlin Wastes, where he waited for Skywalker to show. Luke and his astromech droids soon arrived as Boba stealthily closed in on them. He threw a flash grenade that temporarily blinded Skywalker and short-circuited the droid R2-D2. Boba ordered him to surrender, and Skywalker deduced that since Boba hadn't killed him, whoever hired the bounty hunter wanted Skywalker alive. Skywalker told Boba that the bounty hunter never should have come to Kenobi's home, and was adamant that he would fight Boba blind, for Jedi didn't need eyes. Although, as Boba reminded him, he was not a Jedi yet. Skywalker swung wildly, giving Boba the chance to shoot a length of fiber cord that Skywalker surprisingly evaded. Skywalker used the noise that Boba's Mandalorian armor produced to fight him, and caused Boba to stumble back and trip over R2. Boba cut Skywalker several times with his vibroblades that extended from his gauntlets and drew blood. Again ordering Skywalker to surrender, Luke then added that Kenobi could help him even beyond death, prompting Boba to shoot him in the shoulder. Boba prepared to do so again when Skywalker recited a Jedi saying and deflected the incoming blaster bolt, forcing Boba to tackle the still blind Skywalker. Both combatants grappled one another, and Boba began to press the lightsaber towards Skywalker's face. However, a box marked for Luke suddenly flew across the room and collided with Boba's head, knocking him unconscious. Skywalker and his astromech were equally surprised, but quickly left the hut and Tatooine, leaving Boba alone. He soon traveled to meet with Vader on a Star Destroyer, and reported that the boy had gotten lucky and escaped. Vader was disappointed, and asked Boba if he had brought him anything of value. Boba told him he had. He had discovered the boy's name, Skywalker. Vader remained silent for some time, so Boba left. Unknown to the bounty hunter, he had just told the Dark Lord of the Sith that he had a son. Several years later, Boba took his second job from Darth Vader and rendezvoused with the Executor in the Hoth asteroid belt. Five other hunters, including Fett's old allies Dengar and Bosk, were also gathered aboard the Star Destroyer, though his two partners were the only hunters he recognized. 
Though he realized that they seemed familiar, Fett was unable to place the names of Forlom, Zuckus, and IG-88B. Taking a 20-credit bet with Dengar, Fett correctly guessed their bounty would be Han Solo and his ship, the Millennium Falcon. Vader intended to use Solo, as well as Leia Organa and Chewbacca, as bait to lure Luke Skywalker into a trap. Boba and the other bounty hunters were given permission to use any means necessary to capture Skywalker's friends, as long as they were captured alive. Vader singled out Boba Fett and warned against any disintegrations. There will be a substantial reward for the one who finds the Millennium Falcon. You are free to use any methods necessary, but I want them alive. No disintegrations. As you wish. After getting an idea, Boba went to work programming decoy coordinates to Slave 1 to fool other bounty hunters that might pursue him. In order to fake out the other bounty hunters, he left the Imperial fleet, but quickly came back because he knew where the Millennium Falcon was. He deduced that Solo would try to outlast the Empire rather than risk losing it in a chase. After finding the Millennium Falcon stuck on the side of the Imperial Star Destroyer, Boba tracked them all the way to Cloud City on Bespin. Boba and the Empire arrived before the Millennium Falcon, which allowed Vader to manipulate Solo's friend and the leader of Cloud City, Lando Calrissian, into helping them capture Solo and the others. While he was on Bespin, Boba defeated the assassin droid IG-88, who had followed him to Cloud City, and left the droid to be collected as scrap. Boba became concerned when he learned that Vader intended to free Solo and Carbonite as a test to determine whether Skywalker would be able to survive the same process. You may take Captain Solo to Jabba the Hutt after I have Skywalker. He's no good to me dead. He will not be permanently damaged. Vader promised the bounty hunter that he would be compensated by the Empire for the loss of any potential bounty earnings if Solo was to be killed. What if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me. The Empire will compensate you if he dies. However, Han Solo did survive the process, and Vader turned the frozen smuggler over to Boba Fett, who had Solo taken to Slave One. He's all yours, bounty hunter. He was pursued by Organa, Calrissian, and Chewbacca, all of whom were attempting to save Solo from being taken to Jabba the Hutt. Put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. Their attempt failed, and Boba left Bespin successfully, with the carbon-frozen Captain Solo. Now that he had captured Han Solo and was on his way to Jabba, Boba learned some angering news. Lash had resurfaced. Hey, remember that name? Lash? Remember Boba hates Lash? So with Han Solo and Carbon Freeze and literally going nowhere, Boba decided that he was going to take some personal time. He was able to track down Lash's ship to the system of Rusan. There, he shot and wounded his former teammate Tonga and prepared to kill Lash. While doing so, he was attacked by Valence, another former teammate. The two fought until Boba shot Valence with a bioenergy disruptor, which severely damaged Valence as he was mostly cybernetic parts. Boba then confronted Lash and her adopted child, Cadelia. As Lash got Cadelia aboard an escape pod, Boba grabbed Lash by her tentacles. The two then fought again until Valence grabbed him. However, Boba was able to subdue Valence with his flamethrower this time. As he attempted to finish Lash off, her ship came under fire by yet another angry 
person. A rival had come to kill Lash. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Lash was injured and began to bleed out in the wreckage of her collapsing ship. Fett, knowing Lash would die eventually from bleeding out, returned to Slave 1 to continue his journey to Tatooine, bringing Solo to Jabba and collecting the massive bounty on Han Solo's head. Boba continued working for Jabba after delivering Solo to the hut. In the meantime, a plan was developed by Skywalker, Organa, Chewbacca, and Calrissian to rescue Solo from the palace. Sometime later, he witnessed Skywalker and Chewbacca get captured by the hut, while Organa posed as the bounty hunter Bausch and Calrissian posed as a guard. Organa was successful in freeing Solo from the carbonite freezing, and the smuggler emerged temporarily blind as a result of the freezing process. But they got captured, and Organa turned into a slave girl for Jabba, which... Yikes. Uh, and by Jabba's decree, Skywalker, Solo, and Chewbacca would be taken to the Great Pit of Carcoon, where they would be fed to the Sarlacc, a creature that lived in the pit that would digest them over the course of a thousand years. Once they were there, Skywalker and the others put their plan into action, attacking Jabba's guards, even leading to the death of Jabba himself, who was strangled to death by Leia Organa. During the firefight, Boba fought against Skywalker, who used his lightsaber to destroy Boba's blaster. In the ensuing chaos, Solo, still somewhat blind, was alerted to Boba's presence and swung out wildly with a vibro axe, striking Boba's jetpack as he took aim at Skywalker with his wrist gauntlet. The impact caused the jetpack to ignite, sending Boba slamming into the side of Jabba's sail barge and tumbling into the great pit of Carcoon, where he was eaten by the Sarlacc. And then he died. Or so everyone thought. No, nobody thought that. It was pretty widely accepted that he survived. Which leads us to the events of The Mandalorian. It is revealed that Boba survived his fall. Whoa, surprise. But it was still really cool to see that he was officially alive. Um, even though he was separated from his armor, which was found by Jawas and later acquired by the Tatooinean Sheriff Cobb Vanth. Where did you get the armor? Bought it off some Jawas. Hand it over. At some point, Fett acquired a Gaddafi stick and a cycler rifle from Tusken Raiders. Though a number of rumors about his fate circulated, Fett was presumed dead due to his fall into the Sarlacc pit. Around the year 9 ABY, Fett came across the dying Fennec Shand on Tatooine. She had earlier been injured by the amateur bounty hunter Toro Calican in an attempt to obtain the bounty on Grogu, who was protected by the Mandalorian Din Djarin. Boba managed to save her life by replacing much of her lower torso with cybernetics. In return for saving her, Shand agreed to work as Fett's partner. You were dead. She was left for dead on the sands of Tatooine, as was I. But fate sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched. In my case, Boba Fett was that fate, and I am now in his service. Vanth later gave Fett's armor to the Mandalorian bounty hunter Din Djarin in exchange for his help in killing the crate dragon that was terrorizing Vanth's town of Mos Pelgo. As Din returned to Mos Eisley and his ship, the Razorcrest, he was watched by Fett. Together, Boba and Fennec tracked Din and Grogu to Tython. Boba approached Mando and told him he wanted the armor back. I'm here for the armor. 
If you want my armor, you'll have to peel it off my dead body. I don't want your armor. I want my armor. That you got from Cobb Van back on Tatooine. It belongs to me. After denying being a Mandalorian, Boba recited a classic line from his father's book. Are you Mandalorian? I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy. Like my father before me. For reference, Jango said the exact same thing to Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones, so it's a nice touch. I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Boba then explained the origin of the armor and told Mando that he had a sniper scoped in on Grogu. The armor was my father's. Now it's mine. What's to stop me from dropping you right where you stand? Because I have a sharpshooter up on that ridge with a lock scope that will unload by the time my body hits the ground. I'm the one wearing Beskar. As soon as I see that muzzle flash, you're both dead. I didn't mean she was going to shoot you. My friends locked on to that little companion of yours up on the hinge. And if you remember, I don't miss. Fennec? You have a keen ear, Mando. After a tense standoff, the two attempted to deal with Jaren to protect Grogu in exchange for returning Fett's lost armor to him, though Jaren was not very happy about it. The armor was given to my father, Django, by your forebears. In exchange, I guarantee the safety of the child as well as your own. However, Moff Gideon arrived to ruin everything and intent on capturing Grogu. He sent two Imperial transports down from his cruiser and deployed stormtroopers in a skirmish against Jaren, Fett, and Fennec. Boba took on several stormtroopers with a cycler rifle and Gaddafi stick, and seeing the Razor Crest unopened and unguarded, he took the opportunity to reclaim his armor on his own and bring the battle to a swift end. When he arrived back at the battle in his own armor, he single-handedly absolutely shredded the Imperial forces. Nice shot. I was aiming for the other one. However, during the fighting, Grogu was taken by the Imperials. Boba chased them down in Slave 1, but was ultimately shocked to see what he saw. They're back. Who? The Empire. They're back. That can't be. The Outer Rim is under the jurisdiction of the New Republic. This isn't a spy stream. I can see the Imperial Cruiser with my own eyes. After using the armor's chain code to prove his ownership to Jaren, Boba and Fennec agreed to help Jaren rescue Grogu, saying that the child's abduction meant they were still indebted to him to ensure Grogu's safety. I want you to take a look at something. Chain code has been encoded in this armor for 25 years. You see, this is me, Boba Fett. This is my father, Django Fett. Your father was a foundling. Yes. He even fought in the Mandalorian Civil Wars. Then that armor belongs to you. I appreciate its return. Beep, 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 woo, wee, woo, wee, woo. Uh, this is an important note from the conversation. This conversation brings back to canon that Django is a true Mandalorian. He was a foundling and a warrior during the Mandalorian Civil Wars. This is a huge deal, and I feel like it was very overlooked during the episode. Django is a true Mandalorian. While the same cannot be said for Boba, it is nice to have that fact restored back to canon. 
As the Razor Crest has been destroyed by Gideon's forces, Fett and Fennec brought Jaren to Navarro from Slave One. There, Jaren met with the New Republic Marshal and his friend Cara Dune to gain information on Miggs Mayfeld, who Jaren believed could help them locate Gideon. When Fett and the rest of the group arrived to collect him, Mayfeld confused Fett for Jaren due to his Mandalorian armor, which had now been repainted in his classic green and red and yellow colors. Realizing he had no other choice, Mayfeld reluctantly gave Din Djarin the location of an Imperial refinery on Morak where they could access information from a terminal. After arriving, the group stood on a hilltop and formulated their plan, and Fett explained why he could not go with Mayfeld to access the terminal. Fett, let's just say they might recognize my face. This left Djarin to assume the role of Mayfeld's companion. Once they completed their mission, Fett flew in with Slave One to extract the duo. After boarding the ship, Mayfeld asked Jaren to give him Boba's cycler rifle, which he used to fire at the Rydonium refinery, destroying the cargo they had delivered and setting off a massive explosion. After being chased by two TIE fighters, Fett released a seismic charge, the sexiest Star Wars sound, and destroyed the two pursuing ships. After Slave One had landed, Dune and Jaren decided to release Mayfeld from his prison sentence to thank him for his help. On board Slave One, Jaren sent a transmission to Moff Gideon, warning him that he would be coming to reclaim Grogu. After acquiring Gideon's coordinates, Fett and the group used Slave One to pursue an Imperial shuttle carrying Dr. Pershing. After disabling the ship with Slave One's ion cannons, it was boarded, and after a brief standoff, they captured Pershing. Following this, Boba and Jaren went to speak with Bo-Katan and Casca Reeves. They attempted to recruit Bo-Katan to help rescue Grogu, but she said that they would not find Gideon, and Boba suggested that they leave. We don't need these two. Let's get out of here. You are not a Mandalorian. Never said I was. Upon hearing his voice, Bo-Katan and Koska Reeves declared that he was not a Mandalorian, and just a clone of Jango Fett and a disgrace to his armor for insulting Mandalore. Mandalore? The Empire turned that planet to glass. You are a disgrace to your armor. This armor belonged to my father. Don't you mean your donor? Careful, princess. You are a clone. I've heard your voice thousands of times. Mine might be the last one you hear. Fett and Reeves had a brief fight before it was broken up by Bo-Katan, who declared that, yes, she and Koska Reeves would help Jaren. Following this, Fett followed the Imperial shuttle, piloted by Bo-Katan and Slave One, as part of her plan, to send out a distress signal to the cruiser Moff Gideon was on while under attack from Slave One in order to board and take over the ship. Power up those shields, Princess. I'll put on a good show. Watch out for those deck cannons. Don't worry about me. Just be careful in there. As the two ships exited hyperspace, Boba began firing upon the shuttle as it sent out its fake distress signal. However, Gideon ordered for a squad of TIE fighters to intercept Fett's ship instead. In the ensuing battle, as Bo-Katan crashed the shuttle into the cruiser's launch tube, Fett disposed of the TIE fighters before jumping away into hyperspace, leaving the infiltration team to finish their mission. At some point after this attack on Moff Gideon's cruiser, 
Fett and Fennec returned to Jabba's palace on Tatooine, which was now under the control of Bib Fortuna, Jabba's former right-hand man and translator. Fortuna expressed surprise at Boba's survival after he fell into the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> Boba! Open our bidu! What kind of Malian teeth be? Without responding to him at all, Boba shot Fortuna and threw his corpse off of the palace's throne and took his place on the throne instead, with Fennec by his side. And that's where this episode ends, and the upcoming series, The Book of Boba Fett, begins. And there you have it. That is the canon, up-to-date life of Boba Fett, the galaxy's deadliest and most feared bounty hunter. I hope you learned something this episode, which I do believe is our longest episode yet. Um, join us next week as we recall the origins of Clone Force 99, or The Bad Batch, and celebrate its series premiere, which happened earlier this week. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Red5Pod, that is R-E-D, the number 5, P-O-D. Thank you for listening, happy Star Wars week, and by now you know the drill. Remember, the Force will be with you, always.